This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. I normally at this point say, as usual, with me in studio, my co-host Naz Marchese, but uh, Naz, uh, Naz, uh, none of us were able to make it in studio this morning, so we're going to try and do this by conference call over the over the phone. Uh, certainly, the perils of live radio and uh, winter weather in in Canada, but uh, we're going to give this our best shot. Hopefully, we'll have a lot of fun uh, and try doing it. Naz, have I got you? Good morning. How are you, Naz? You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. <laughs> this is gonna be a lot of fun. How are you, Naz? I'm very well. I'm sitting up, sitting in uh, one of the rooms here, looking outside at this ice pellets coming down right now in Nobleton, Ontario. And I took a look at the weather report. I, I put up Nobleton, Florida, instead, and it was 23 Celsius. And I thought, oh boy, it's gonna improve really well. <laughs> Well, where I am, the weather's a, a little bit better than when you guys are. So, uh, Mike Wilson, uh, the ultimate Leafs fan, are you on the phone, sir? Yes, I'm here, too. Good morning, Walter. Good morning, Matt. <laughs> hey, listen. Good morning, Mike. Uh, good morning, guys. Mike, you're safely ensconced in your home in downtown Toronto. And uh, looking out the window, I understand that uh, you guys are having some fun back in T.O. If we got Franceschetti on the phone, too, we managed to... Work out that technical obstacle. Lou, are you there? If you can hear me, I'm here. Oh, we got Lewis, too. How are you this morning, Lou? Doing well, Mike. Uh, a little uh, sore because I took so many hits last night in the Boston game. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we've, uh, we've worked out our first, uh, our first obstacle. We got us all on the line. We got us all on remotely. It's live radio. Uh, we do the best we can, and... Uh, Let's have let's have a little fun, guys. Uh, the weather isn't uh, didn't cooperate to get us down to the studio this morning, and uh, certainly safety is paramount. Uh, nobody wanted to uh, do anything foolish. And to all our listeners out there, Naz, I'm sure you're up in Nobleton, and uh, the boys are down in Toronto. It's pretty nasty out there. So if you don't have to get out on the road, you know what? Stay home. We have maybe you maybe our listeners should should think about that as well. But talking about. Uh, Talking about bad weather and wrecks, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the first two games, guys. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try and quarterback this show remotely, so I know it's gonna be kind of tough. We're all gonna want to be jumping in on each other, uh, so I'll try and get to get to you guys. Uh, but the Leafs, uh, after the first two games, uh, haven't looked good. Uh, Naz, I'll give you first crack at it. Uh, uh, break it down for us. Well, it started the first shift in game one. Uh, they took a run at uh, uh, Riley, got run by uh, Rick Nash, run at by Rick Nash, 
And the Bruins have been running our uh, our smaller players, and uh, we have no retaliation at all. Looks like uh, well, we did. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did get some retaliation. Unfortunately, that ended up in a three-game suspension. Right. But yeah, I'll, I'll let you continue your thoughts, Ness. Yeah, and uh, they're in trouble. They're in deep, deep trouble. I don't think they're getting out of this. Uh, they look. Uh, they don't look confident. The goaltending hasn't been good. The defense has been horrid. The forwards have not played well. Zach Hyman's been their best forward for two games, and he shouldn't be your best forward. So let's see what happens in game three. Anyways, uh, Lou, before I turn it over to you, just want to let our listeners know what's coming up in the show. Uh, uh, right after the first break, we'll have Michael Trakos, a senior uh, hockey writer for Post Media Network. Uh, he's going to break down the Leafs in the playoffs for us. And after, uh, after the second break, uh, the other Toronto team that's uh, in the playoffs, the Raptors, they got off to a better start than the Leafs. And we'll be talking to Leo Routens about uh, last night's game against the Washington Wizards. Lewis, in your best hockey analysis, uh, break down the first two games for us, and uh, how can the Leafs possibly turn this around? Well, uh, I really think that it comes down to, and anybody that's willing to listen out there, it's called physicality, okay? It seems like the smaller Leafs don't want any part of it, and the Bruins aren't that much bigger than the Leafs. They just wanted a little bit more. You look at the positioning in front of the Leafs' net. Look at the corners. Everybody is taking their body. Uh, they're told, finish your checks all over the ice. And what that does is that, that more or less it backs off some of the smaller forwards. You know, you, you can say that the Leafs have more speed and you've got to catch the speed. Well, the Leaf forwards are getting caught in very vulnerable positions or along the boards. And the Boston Bruin forwards and defensemen are taking advantage of it and banging them. They're not necessarily banging them hard. They're just taking the body on them. And it's, it's starting to wear down. You see uh, DeBrusque's goal last night and taking possession in front of Zaitsev. Uh, they're, they're getting in front of the net. They're getting in front of Anderson. Everything's going over the net. And right now, they do not have an answer for Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak. Uh, and, you know, you can keep on going right down the line. But the Leafs are only two breaks out of being maybe 2-0 instead of 0-2. You look last night, uh, Kapanen has a breakaway. He puts it off the post. Uh, and, and the chances that they had in the second period uh, against Boston in game one, you know, it could be a very easy, it could be an 0-2 series. But that's just being pessimistic. And we just got to, the reality is, these Leafs players have to come out and play a little bit harder, a little bit more physical, and that's why I see... If Mike Babcock doesn't put Matt Martin in the game for Game Three, uh, he's going to be—he'll be thinking about it twice. Uh, Mike Wilson, uh, I want to get you involved at this point. Obviously, you're a keen observer. Uh, some of the some of the media reports, um, you know, for the first time probably since the Mike Babcock era started in Toronto, there was there was criticism of Mike Babcock, especially after the first game. Some of his decisions. You know, the Pekanich, uh, Dominic Moore, Pekanich just didn't <laughs> seem to be out of his element in the first game. Not sure he was that much better. Um, you know, he he's just isn't the same player he was before. But I want you to respond to this, Mike. Uh, for the first time uh, since Babcock took over the Leafs, uh, he's been criticized for some of his decisions. Uh, Mike, warranted or unwarranted criticism? Well, I think it's a pretty small uh, sample size right now, so I think it's unwarranted. 
every coach is going to be criticized when things don't go right. When things do go right, you know, they're going to get the opposite. So, you know, the good comes with the bad. But Mr. Babcock has been saying since the day he arrived in Toronto that there's two seasons that you have to be prepared for. The regular season is one, and the playoffs are another whole ball game. And, uh, Lou, you can attest to that yourself. It's a whole different game. It's a whole different animal. He's preached to these guys for two years. You have to be bigger. You have to be stronger. You have to be more prepared to start on time. And you couple that with the fact that Boston is extremely well-prepared. They're double-teaming every Toronto Maple Leaf player. You watch every guy who carries the puck in their zone. Not only is he hit by the targeted player, he's hit by the returning player back to the zone who takes a piece of every Toronto player. And you know what's running on him. And what's happening is Toronto's getting caught up in that part of the game. And you can see JVR getting frustrated. And actually, it's nice to see. I mean, you know Terry's going to take cheap shots. You know he's going to slash it from behind. I mean, look at what them up four goals and he cross-checked Matthews with three minutes left in the game in front of the net. You know, JBR ran him, which is good to see. You've got to put up with that stuff. And I go back to that Winnipeg game, a couple games left in the season where the Sheffley hit on uh, Anderson. And the unexpected is going to happen, and you have to put it aside. And I'll just end up by saying this, and in, in fairness to Mr. Babcock, once again, I think one of the things that he said, one of my favorite quotes since he arrived in Toronto is, and every Toronto Maple Plea leaves should go back and look this quote up. As a matter of fact, I'll send it to them if they'd like where he said the day your talent exceeds your work ethic is the day you begin to run yourself out of the business. Anyways, uh, you brought up an interesting point there, Mike. I want to throw it back to Lou and to uh, Nez. Is, uh, you know, the playoffs, you've got to be prepared. Uh, and Mike brought up that point, and the Bruins seem to be prepared. I've got to be quite frank, and I'm not so sure this is a criticism of Mike Babcock, Babcock but it probably is. Uh, it's a coach's job to get the team prepared. And quite frankly, Lou Nez, uh, I didn't think they looked prepared game one. They looked like they, look, they, looked like they were deer caught in the headlights. Uh, Lou? Uh, you know what? It, 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 it could be possible. Like, again, this team is very young. They weren't expected to be where they are right now. Uh, but it, it's just... It's also, Mike, but it's also the, the veteran players. You're, you're brought in Plaklanik, which you made a point. They brought in uh, Marlowe. Uh, they brought in Ron Hainsey, who, who's coming out for Stanley Cup. It's up to these three or four players right here that, that have to get these young kids ready. And it's not like they've never been there before. They went up against the Washington Capitals last year, and they should have beat them in six games instead of losing in six games. So it, I think what it is is you're coming out against a team that was a, had the best record in all of hockey, if I'm not mistaken, after since Christmas. And these Boston Bruins, like you look at the third and fourth lines, they're no-names. There's no big names on those lines. It's maybe the first two lines have, have a lot of uh, firepower, but it's, it's the younger, it's the third and fourth line players that are more or less are setting the pace that, that are going and just finishing their check and being physical and wanting a part of all of that. The Leaf players look right now that they don't want any part of the Boston Bruins. Naz, how do they, uh, what do they got to do? What do they got to do Monday night? What do, they, what do they have to do to turn this thing around? Um, I, you know, they, uh, you know, they, uh, they don't seem to be getting the breaks. The Bruins are more physical. Kadri, I don't know if you want to comment on that brain cramp, but, you know, you just can't lose your discipline in the playoffs. You know, a three-game suspension in the playoffs, you know, your Kadri's a critical part of this team. I mean, you just can't 
do you can't lose that mental focus um what, uh, what what do you see? What can you possibly see what the Leafs have to do to turn this around? First things first, the special teams and the Leafs have been great all season, but uh, the last five or six games of the regular season, the, the penalty killing hasn't been good. So first, they've got to stop the, the power play of the Bruins, and second, they've got to score on their own power play chances, and I think things will change a bit. But uh, if they don't do that, they're going down in four. And, and you know what? There's one other comparison you have to make here. Austin Matthews and uh, William Nylander are not Sidney Crosby and Jenny Malkin right now. And, Pete, and the, fans, the Leaf fans have to look at that because they're not seasoned veterans yet, but they'll get there. And uh, the Leafs will be a better team in the next couple of years, I'm sure. But uh, they have to stop the uh, Bruins' power play, and they have to score on their power play chances, Wally. Uh, Lou, uh, easier said than that. He's got the, he's got the formula. Uh, is that easier said than done? It definitely is easier said than done. Uh, they're, they're, again, it comes it comes down to the the willing to compete at at this level to succeed in the playoffs. Uh, obviously, Nylander and Marner are uh, are very skilled players, and uh, that's the only thing you're going to get from them. Um, you know, again, when your best man, when your best player is Zach Hyman. Uh, you know, you've, you've got to get some help from your third and fourth line. Where's Bozak been? Where's Van Riemsdyk been? Uh, where's Connor Brown been? Uh, it, for the Leafs, it's, it's a complete total package. If you're missing comp- some, uh, some components, you're not going to go very far. And a lot of people knew at the start of this that Boston was going to be a lot tougher matchup uh, against them than the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and it's, and it's proving so far. Mind you, you know, let Boston win their first two games at home. Now you gotta you gotta set the ship uh, straight right now and win your two games. Anyways, you're uh, listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We're having a little bit of fun today. None of us could actually make it in studio, so we're out. Uh, we're all out in various locations, having all called in. Mike Wilson, uh, Naz Marchese, Lou Franceschetti. Uh, so, uh, and special thanks to our producer, Joshua, who's managed to uh, make this all work so far, and we're going to keep it going. We're going to go to break, and right after the break, we'll be talking to senior hockey writer for the Post Media Network, Michael Trakos. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my Italian heritage. I have family in Caprese, home of Michelangelo, who famously painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It took him four years. We must be distant relatives, because it took me almost as long to paint the ceiling of my garage. I'm sure he did a bunch of nudes, but I did two coats. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice.
Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, we're, uh, we're live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto, but the reality is uh, none of us are actually physically in Liberty Village this morning, it's Walter Rigabon, as usual, with me, my co-host, Naz Marchese, uh, former Toronto Maple Leaf, Lou Franceschetti, and the ultimate Leafs fan, Mike Wilson. Given the horrendous uh, weather conditions, none of us were able to make it into studio this morning, thanks to the good graces of Zuma Radio and our, and our excellent producer, Joshua, who have been able to conference us all in. It's been a technical obstacle, but uh, we're doing the best I, best we can. Uh, talking about technical obstacles, Mike, uh, Naz, Lou, are you guys still with me? Did you manage to survive the break? I'm still here. I'm I'm still here watching all the highlights. <laughs> Naz, yeah, you guys. still there? Hey, fantastic. Uh, we I know we uh, scheduled to get Michael Trakos, the senior hockey writer for Post Media Network, not being in studio. I can't actually tell if Michael is on the line. Yeah, uh, here, so I'll throw it out there. Michael, are you with me? Yeah, I'm here, guys, and great to be on. Uh, nice talking to all of you. Mike Wilson, I was at your place uh, not too long ago for... That's uh, right, for Lance's uh, book launch. Yeah, what a place if anyone's... Uh, if no one's ever been there. It's, uh, it really is a dream house that you've got there. Have oh, you moved to new places now, good. Mike? Mike, uh, uh, Mike and Mike were asking each other. Mike, Mike Wilson, uh, Michael Trakos was asking you if uh, where the where the, if you've got a new place, new new uh, the stuff has moved out. Oh, it's well, some of it has. About seventy percent of it has been moved to the Museum of uh, History in Ottawa, and I right. still have about six seven hundred pieces. So the room's been redone, and we've teamed up with uh, Brian Aaronworth at Frameworth Marketing to fill the room with the rest of NHL stuff, so we can still do some charity events. But it's getting close uh, anyways, to the end because we're going to be moving in the next year. So, sadly, right. you know, the room as I once knew it will no longer be at one point. <laughs> well, anyways, I'm going to have it. I, I got another technical obstacle here. I'm, I'm doing. We're the mic. Uh, we're doing the show remotely, and I've got two mics on the phone, uh, yeah. and they're not referring to the to the metal object in the studio. So, Michael Trakos, I'm going to call you Michael, and Mike and Mike Wilson, I'm going to call you Mike, just so I can see if I can keep everybody online. Michael, uh, just so that you're just so that you're aware, of course, it's the great ice storm of 2018, and it, it, each one of us, myself, Naz, uh, we got Lou Franceschetti, and of course Mike Wilson, 
we're all remote. There's actually none of us in studio this morning, so we're all doing this remotely. Uh, and uh, but we've been having a chat about the Toronto Maple Leafs, and of course, um, that this isn't the start of the series that we would have hoped, uh, Michael. Uh, so we'd like you to uh, opine at this point in time. What have you seen in the first two games that you can possibly envision a scenario? where the Leafs can turn this around. What do the Leafs have to do to turn this series around? Yeah, it was funny. You mentioned Raw remotely and sort of out of sync. I think that's kind of how the Leafs have been playing lately, um, last two games. <laughs> Whereas Boston has looked like they are completely ready for this playoff round. They look like they're, I heard the fans chanting, we want the cup after game one. And uh, it looks like this team is really playing that way, uh, like a Stanley Cup uh, champion the and on the other hand, Toronto just completely looks overwhelmed, uh, outmatched. This doesn't look like the team that I saw for 82 games in the regular season, that's for sure. Um, and you know what? Maybe now that the season or the series shifts to Toronto, maybe we're going to see a different team out there. Maybe first two games there were some jitters. Um, they didn't know exactly how to handle that top line of Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand. But yeah, they're going to have to come up with a, a better uh, concerted effort and one thing that sticks out with me is just the defense. Um, whether it's Morgan Riley in game one, Ron Hainsey, or Nikita Zaitsev in game two, um, the defense looks completely overmatched. Um, I thought, you know, I, I thought it was much ado about nothing when people are saying, okay, the defense isn't up to snuff. If you're going to look for a weak spot, it's the defenseman. I thought that the, whether it was Riley, Gardner, Hainsey, whoever, I thought they were doing a fine job in the regular season, but, they're really looking exposed right now in those first two games. Naz, I'll turn it over to you. Mike, uh, I was just noticing in the first shift of the first game, uh, Riley got hit by Rick Nash, and the Bruins have been hitting the Leaf players all along in the whole series. How has that affected them in the, in the two games? Yeah, well, that's what you have to play. Like, Lou Franceschetti can speak to this. Like, this playoff hockey is different than regular season hockey. We all know it as fans. Uh, we all know it from media, just watching the games. Uh, it's a different level of intensity. It's a different way you have to play, a different way you have to win. Uh, you can't play pretty all the time. And if you do, it, it comes with uh, that kind of grinding and physicality. And I think the Leafs really haven't been asserting themselves that way. Um, I question whether or not this is an opportunity for Mike Babcock to maybe switch some lines around, maybe inject a guy like Matt Martin into the lineup, although he's not going to help you in terms of uh, defending against Bergeron and those guys is not going to help you get any goals, but maybe help set a tone uh, physical-wise, especially with Navin Kadri uh, out of the lineup. I think the Leafs are missing a little bit of jam in their uh, lines. And you mentioned Rick Nash. Like This is not a guy that plays a heavy style during the regular season, but seems to be aware of the fact that it is playoff hockey and you're going to catch some guys uh, with checks. And that's how you kind of can generate some momentum and maybe some offense along the way. Uh, Lou? Uh, well, you know, Lou, are you there? Playoff hockey is just a different style of hockey. You know, you, you more or less, you pace yourself for 82 games. In the playoffs, it's four and out. And if the Leafs uh, are going to more or less turn this thing back on, and it, it comes back to, to one thing, you, you've got to, you've, you got to be committed to the physical part of the game at all costs. And we're talking about small guys. You look at, you will look at the Winnipeg series. You got Laney's out there hitting everybody. The smaller guys are all hitting anybody because they know that 
sooner or later, it comes out to a seven-game series, you're going to wear the body down. And if Mitch Marner, guys like Nylander, as skilled as they are, if they don't decide to show up, Connor Brown, Zach Hyman, you know, this is going to be a short series. And it's, uh, I really think if Babcock doesn't put in Josh Lebel and Matt Martin, that a little bit of physicality, uh, and send Boston a message, now you're in our barn, and if you're going to take uh, liberty to, to our smaller players, uh, Matt Martin will make a difference. And not necessarily not in the scoring sheet, but he will make a difference in that dressing room, known, knowing that he is the first guy that's going to be covering their back if anything happens. And if you look at during the regular season, Matt Martin was a big difference in certain games like Buffalo and uh, and Buffalo and Boston because of his uh, because of his role on this hockey team. Uh, Michael, I want to I want to go to. Um the event that happened Thursday night, of course, that's the the the, the, the I call it the brain cramp. Uh, Nazem Kadri. Uh, first of all, comment on whether my use of terminology uh, is a little bit excessive, uh, and was was three games deserved for what you saw? I think it was one one game too many, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I think you could have either gone one or two games, and I think the masses would have been appeased. I don't think anyone would have been crying. At the league uh, was a little too soft on him. Uh, one game would have been suffi- uh, sufficient. Two games definitely would have been sufficient. Uh, brain cramp, yeah, that's a good way of uh, describing it. Um, Nazem Kadri loves to play on the edge, and I think he, you know, he saw his teammate and uh, a younger guy, smaller guy, Mitch Marner, um, take a nasty hit. And I think the first thing he thought was, "I got to get this guy back." And you know, it, it, there's something to be commended about that kind of. Uh, team thinking. Uh, at the same time, when it puts your team down, um, well, definitely it uh, puts them down shorthanded, but then also when you're now out for three games and you're looking at the center depth, and uh, all along the season we were talking about how much depth Toronto does have down the middle uh, when you're looking at Matthews, Kadri, and Bozak, and then with mechanics being added at the deadline. And now you're saying to yourself, geez, this team looks really thin down the middle because now you've got Patrick Marlowe down the middle and Tyler Bozak hasn't been playing his best hockey lately. So, and Placanix has just been, I think, a complete mess and maybe a misread at the deadline. So now you're looking at it like, okay, um, it, you really can't afford to have Cadrio for this many games. And I don't know how the Leafs are going to survive it. They don't look like they're surviving it, that's for sure. Now we're talking to Michael Trikos, uh, senior hockey writer for Post Media. Michael, uh, um, you wrote an outstanding piece, I thought, the other day about Bob Cole, and I really want to get into it. Uh, you know, we've Thanks. we've talked to Bob Cole on our show a couple of times, and and I, in fact, the last time we talked to him, uh, you know, he 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 had you know uh, he he was would have really loved to have done another Toronto Maple Leaf playoff game. Uh, he really misses it. Not only is he not doing Toronto Maple Leaf playoff games, he's not doing any playoff games anymore, and it's. It's almost like the passing of an era, and I, you know, and it's all, you know, we know how old he is. We know everybody's time comes at a certain point in time. I just thought Bob Cole was still the best around. Uh, tell me where you, uh, tell me how you got the idea for the article, and uh, and uh, a little bit about your conversation when you spoke to Bob. Yeah, well, thanks, and I'm, I'm in agreement. I, I think this, Bob really is. Uh, um, the best. Um, let's be honest. He, he's a legend, and while he's still maybe he's not as uh, sharp uh, as he was maybe 20 years ago, and um, in terms of calling a game um, at 84, I still think he's the best in the business. And um, how I got the idea was um, 
Roger Sportsnet released uh, who the broadcast teams are going to be for the playoffs. And right off the top, I was kind of looking for Bob Cole. I was like wondering if he was going to be calling. I didn't think he was going to be calling Toronto, but I thought maybe he'd be calling Winnipeg or at the very least the Pittsburgh-Philadelphia series. And to see him completely shut out uh, really took me by surprise. So um, I've known Bob for years and uh, gave him a call. And you could hear uh, the hurt and the disappointment in his voice. Um, it's one thing not to be involved in the playoffs, and I think he understood that all things do come to an end. Uh, I think what really hurt him was the way that it happened. Um, he calls a game in Ottawa against the Bruins on a Saturday. On the Sunday, he's expecting to hear uh, what series he's going to be covering. Instead, they call him and say, you're done uh, for the, the playoffs, and he doesn't even know if he's coming back next season. So... Um, Rogers knew, and I believe they knew that Bob wasn't going to be part of the playoff plan. My question to them is, why don't you tell him uh, at the beginning of the season? Why don't you tell him throughout the season? So at least, you know what, give the guy a chance to have a proper send-off, um, to talk to his fans, to talk to everyone, and um, not be left hanging, kind of um, wondering, okay, do I have a job left? Like, I think this man, um, he definitely has earned that respect and has earned that right. And the way that Rogers has kind of sort of just pushed him to the side, um, it doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, chime in on that one too. Um, I, I, I found it outrageous, outrageous that that um, a legend, a man like Bob Cole, with the respect that he's earned, a broadcasting career of 50 years, uh, more than 50 years, uh, an Order of Canada, uh, you know, a, a man of his caliber. Um, that that he would be, and and I'm sure they feel that they treated him the right way. But you don't you don't call him like the day after the last season of the game and say, you know, Mr. Cole, you know, we're sorry, you're not going to be the, doing the playoffs. I I just I'm, I'm Michael. I find that outrageous. They should have made plans. They should have made those plans earlier. He should have known in advance. Um, it's, it wasn't the right way to do it. It really wasn't. I, you know, we all face these dilemmas as we get older. We get parents that, you know, they can't drive anymore. And it's, 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 you know, we all have to cross that threshold at some point in time. And Bob will as well. Uh, I didn't think it was the right time. And if it was the right time, it just wasn't handled in the right way as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Mike Wilson, I'll give you an opportunity to uh, express your thoughts on on Michael's article and and the whole Bob Cole issue. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's a a, a sad situation because it's. Uh, I mean, we're 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 showing such a Canadian side to ourselves here by for protecting one of our legends. And uh, you know, I had the pleasure of having Bob here for a book launch one night, and. Uh, he was even talking, this was probably about five or six years ago, and he was at that time talking about how they were trying to cut back his workload. So it was something that's been in the works for some time, and unfortunate, as we saw with our own Joe Bowen, who should still be doing the Leaf tele- telecasts on TV, uh, it's just one of those things that these guys are making tough business decisions, and unfortunately, he's the casualty. Uh, you know, I love his comments, too, and I love the way he makes his expressions and the way he describes goals. and. You know, the way he just called games was just, uh, as we keep using this word, legendary, and they are. But, unfortunately, it's it's become a business, and this is the hardcore reality of it all, and this is what happens. Anyways, uh, gentlemen, Michael, uh, we thank you so much for joining us and helping us out on on this uh, icy Sunday. Um, 
hopefully the Leafs, uh, hopefully Leafs can turn it around and uh, home, uh, a little bit of home cooking might, uh, might, might make the difference. We appreciate it. We appreciate your assistance. We appreciate your passion and your thoughts. And all we can say is be safe out there and drive safely. And uh, we'll chat. We'll catch up soon. Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, stay safe, stay indoors. Don't bother going outside today, that's for sure. All right, have a good one. <laughs> well, we, we will. Thanks so much. Uh, listen, Mike, Lou, yeah. Ness, I'm going to take us all to break. And then right after the break, we'll be talking a little bit of basketball with Leo Routens. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my Italian heritage. I have family in Caprese, home of Michelangelo, who famously painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It took him four years. We must be distant relatives, because it took me almost as long to paint the ceiling of my garage. I'm sure he did a bunch of nudes, but I did two coats. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live. I would normally say at this time we're live from Liberty Village, but we're live from various remote locations. Uh, it's Walter Rigabon, my co-host Naz Marchese is up in Nobleton, uh, Mike Wilson and Lou Franceschetti are in downtown Toronto. Uh, it's the great ice storm of 2018. None of us were uh, willing to sacrifice life and limb and uh, get down to the studio. We're uh, safely ensconced in our homes. And we're doing this show remotely. There have been some technical challenges, but uh, we're having fun, and everything's worked out fairly well so far. And uh, talking about things working out fairly well, the Toronto Raptors, the Leafs got off to a bad start, but our basketball team uh, gave us a great uh, great victory last night. And we're pleased to welcome to the Nazawali Sports Hour Raptors analyst, Leo Routens. Good morning, Leo. How are you? 
I'm great. How are you guys doing this morning other than the uh, ice uh, ice troubles? <laughs> the ice troubles have uh, caused us a little bit of transportation hurdles, but uh, thanks to technology and the good graces of Zuma Radio, we managed to put this show together by uh, by conference call, by telephone remote. Uh, and it seems to have worked fairly well so far. We've chatted about the Leafs for most of the show, and uh, now it's time to talk about our winner, which is the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Washington Wizards game uh, early evening last night uh, it was uh, as the game wore on, uh, the Raptors bench took over more and more of the game, and uh, and we got a, we got a victory first time in a long time. The Raptors have won the first game of a playoff series so that certainly bodes well leo uh tell us uh, what you saw in the game last night and why the raptors were successful well you know basically saw more of the same but we've seen all season long i mean the raptors bench has been a critical component you know to everything they've done this season uh they've always answered the call and the raptors bench outscored the washington bench you know i believe it was 42 to 21 so uh, excellent performance, and you know that—that's what we've grown to expect right now. These guys come in, they play, uh, they play at a high level, uh, they play with a lot of confidence, and you know one of the things that Dwayne Casey uh, has done a, a masterful job of this season coaching this team is mixing and matching. Uh, he'll have his starters, he'll have his bench, uh, and he just has a feel for who's going well, who's making impact, and uh, at, at certain junctures of the game and. Because of his substitution patterns and uh, and his feel, I think he always manages to put uh, put groups on the floor that get the job done, and that was uh, what we saw last night's game. Uh, Naz, I'll turn it over to you. Leo, Serge Ibaka played, as far as I'm concerned, his best game of the season last night. He hit everything in sight. He was great defensively. Um, what changed? Like he, he looked inconsistent all year, but looked great yesterday. Well, over the last uh, month or so of the season, he he was he was really kind of rounding out into form. Uh, you know, he's you know he was scoring well, he was defending well, he was doing just doing a lot of good things for the for the team. And so this, uh, I don't think it was that much of a surprise. It was almost just a continuation of the way the season ended for him. And I think uh, you know there's a couple of dynamics that are in play as far as Serge Ibaka goes. Um, you know, the more rest he has between games, uh, you definitely see a big difference in his game. And now that you're in the playoff kind of cycle, uh, he's not going to have to deal with back-to-backs and their extended days between games. So that's going to that's going to bode well for him and the Raptors. The second thing is, and, and maybe the most important thing, uh, what we saw with Serge for for a good time with his Raptors in his Raptors tenure is, you know, he was chasing the ball, he was chasing shots, he was. Uh, Looking for uh, for ways to contribute, and right now I think he's he's really figured out where he fits, and and his teammates uh, realize that, especially Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, they realize that when Serge is engaged and he's getting you know consistent touches and he's involved and 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 and, and feels a part of the offense, um, you get a whole different level of Serge Ibaka. And when I say different level, I'm not just talking about what you get on offense. I'm talking about his activity on defense, uh, you know, the impact he makes at that end of the floor. So uh, I think it's a two-way street. Keep him involved. Keep him active. 
Uh, don't make him search out shots, and he gives you a lot in return. And that's what we're seeing right now. So it's a, it's a comfort level that I think he has that we haven't seen before, uh, and his teammates understand how to get the best out of him. Uh, Mike Wilson, are you uh, you still there, my friend? I'm still here. Well, I guess the question um, I have for you, Leo, is that in sports, as we know, every team has its Achilles heel, that the mental aspect of the game is a very, very big part of it. I would suggest that the Raptors, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers are kind of one of their Achilles heels, I would say, that psychological barrier. But I think more important from watching them yesterday was getting over that first game hump that seemed to be, you could almost hear the sigh of relief coming out of the building when the game was over, that they finally got over that obstacle. How far do you think that's going to carry them forward mentally? Because, I mean, you're talking to these guys on a fairly regular basis. Well, you know, honestly, I I, I don't subscribe to that. Um, you know, I, I think enough. maybe all the fans all the fans exhaled and were all happy, and the city of Toronto was happy. But um, I, I just don't I just don't see the the value or the need to associate the past with the present. And you know, this is a team that. It's very different from all teams before. Uh, it's, it's different from last year's team. Uh, as we talked about right off the top, the impact of the bench. This is a whole new bench crew. These guys are young. They're exciting. They're fun. Uh, they play the right way. Uh, they take so much pressure off DeMar and Kyle. They box us at a different place. The new offense, the, the way the Raptors are moving the ball, it involves guys like never before. So this is an entirely different team. Uh, you know, from what we've seen in the past. So what, what relevance does last year or the last 17 years, for that matter, uh, have going forward? So for all the fans and the media and everybody that wants to talk about not winning the first game, yes, it's great. And, yes, for the players, you always want to get off to a good start. You work for home court and you take care of business. So, um, And then, then the second part, you know, when you talk about Cleveland, I don't think Cleveland is a mental issue at all. Cleveland has LeBron James. That's a physical talent issue. You have a generational player. You have a player that, you know, I think we had the numbers. Uh, last seven years in the Eastern Conference, there's been a different winner every year who finished first in the regular season. And there's only two teams that have come out of the East. And, they, and both of those teams, Miami and Cleveland, had a guy named LeBron James on so then if it's a psychological barrier for the Raptors, then I guess it must be a psychological barrier for the six other teams, too, uh, that won the Eastern Conference. Uh, you know, the, you're, you're talking about one of the greatest players in the history of the game, and I've said this before, you, you, everybody wants to talk MVPs. Guess what? There's only one guy you could take and put him on the worst team in the Eastern Conference, and there's a good chance that team uh, makes its way through the playoffs to the finals, too. Uh, that's how good he is. And uh, so really it's about the Raptors um, not dealing with a psychological barrier when facing Cleveland. It's finding a way to, to outplay him, uh, outplay the impact he has on his teammates. And quite honestly, you have to play the best ball uh, you, know, uh, you can possibly play. And you honestly have to hope for a little adversity on their side. So um, it's simply that's how good he is. And and I, I really wish that uh, you know a lot of the fans that are very critical uh, of the losses to Cleveland understand that you know uh, this is the same thing that 
foes of Michael Jordan faced for many, many years. Uh, there were a lot of great teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, there were a lot of great teams in the NBA. Uh, but none of them have titles, and none of them and in the East. They never got out of the East because of that guy, Michael Jordan. So uh, that's that's how good these generational players are. We're talking to Leo Routens, Raptors analyst. Leo, uh, use the words, uh, just the log old, uh, things bode well. What I took uh, from yesterday's game, uh, a couple of things. One, uh, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry didn't have to be outstanding yesterday. Um it, it really was a team victory. Uh, and I think that, you know, Rosen doesn't have to score 40 points and Lowry doesn't have to, you know, play 45 minutes. Um, so they certainly, uh, given the strength of the Raptors bench throughout the year, uh, it seems like the Raptors are much better rested going into the playoffs and they're much better team throughout, obviously. Uh, how much of a difference does that make? The fact that you're, you know, on a game where your stars didn't have to be superstars and your bench takes over, how much difference does that make as you make your way through the playoffs? Well, it's huge because, you know, teams have basically said, okay, you know, DeMar and Kyle, we're going to, we're going to take you out of it. We're not going to allow you to do anything and, you know, see who else can step up. And Demar and Kyle also had a hard time with that. They try to work. They in the past they try to force their way through uh, defenses that just weren't giving up anything, uh, and it just didn't look good. And it, the Raptors didn't play well. Well, you saw in last night's game that you know they're able to pick their spots. I mean, both of those guys came out at the start of the third quarter and really set the tone for the second half. You know, I thought they were instrumental in that. Uh, and then at different times, they're able to pick up and, you know, where the defense, uh, allows and, and, and take advantage of their skills. The rest of the time, they're doing a great job of facilitating. Uh, you know, Kyle's defending and creating so many good positive things for his team. Um, that, you know, this, this, again, this is the way they played all season long. And this is, this is, this was the plan going into the season. Um, that you know, you, to win in the playoffs, you can't you can't do what you've been doing. You have to do it differently. The ball has to move, uh, and and the Raptors, uh, I think they got more assists uh, in last night's game than they had in in all but two of their last ten playoff games. Uh, they made more threes and took more threes last night than they did in, in any playoff game. So it just tells you that the the style and the approach uh, is working. And during the course of the season, you got to remember when. You know, again, people want to be critical of postseason success or lack of success. Um, you know, over the past few years, Demar and Kyle were banged up or, or completely exhausted uh, in the playoffs, and and part of that was just overuse. And when I say overuse, uh, one is amount of minutes they played, and two is the usage on the floor, how much they were involved in everything that was happening, um, and that was that was significantly reduced this year. And there were a lot of games where those guys weren't even on the floor in the fourth quarter because the Raptors didn't need them out there. So they're going into these playoffs uh, healthier and fresher than in any playoff series they've participated in so far. Uh, so that, that, that is a, a tremendous asset uh, going forward and something that I think really, really te- is a testament to the plan that they had after last year's uh, exit from the playoffs on how to make things different. The fact that everybody bought in, including those two guys, uh, tells you how special this group is. 
Anyways, uh, we've been talking to Raptors analyst Leo Routens. Uh, Leo, we're going to let you go, and I'm simply going to say thanks so much. Uh, you helped us out this morning, uh, and be careful out there. Uh, the best, the worst of the bad weather apparently is not over. We're in for a little bit more again uh, today. So to you and to everyone else out there, please be careful. And Leo, you know how much I appreciate this. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure, uh, Walter. Thanks, guys. It's always a pleasure having Leo Routens. Uh, Mike, Naz, Lou, you still with us? Yep, still here. Anyways, it's uh, it's Jay's uh, Jay's catch up time, Naz. So I'll let you. Uh, Jay's, uh, Jay's has gotten off to uh, gotten off to a start that's much better than the start last year. Uh, the bats seem to be a bit a little bit livelier than we would have expected. Uh, Naz, bring us up to date on the Jays and uh, why why we're so happy about their performance so far. Well, they are getting the pitching overall. The bullpen has been fantastic, and the starting pitching has been pretty good. So I said when we did the uh, pre-season, uh, prior to the season predictions that the Jays would compete for a playoff spot, and I think they will. Their pitching is that good, and it uh, should be a very interesting season, that's for sure. Anyways, Lou, you uh, you always like to chime in on the Jays. You're not you're not a big Jays supporter. You're a big Yankee guy. Yankees uh, a little bit slow off the mark, to be fair, Lou. But uh, I'm sure they'll unleash those bats at some point in time. But uh, give us uh, give us your early uh, season uh, baseball uh, assessment. Well, it, it's more or less it's very unpredictable. The weather has has had a lot of uh, to tell regarding all this. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a favorite of playing baseball in this kind of weather, whether it's indoor. Well, I guess if it's indoor, it's, it's a little bit warmer. But uh, it, I guess the first month right now with the weather, uh, the way it's going, especially on the East Coast here, uh, is very, very unpredictable for for a large part of the teams. Uh, I think you're going to start seeing the real baseball probably in, uh, in early May or late May, uh, again, depending on the weather. Uh, Mike Wilson, uh Jays, uh, I know that uh, you've got uh, you got a few things uh, you want to say about the Jays' performance. So, what uh, what's your early uh, early season assessment so far? Well, they're better than we thought they'd be right off the bat because the bats seem to be coming a little bit. They're getting a lot of timely hits. They're winning games late in in late innings. Uh, they're getting guys like Diaz to step up. Uh, Solarte has been actually pretty good as well, but. It's still a little bit of one of these ones where they're walking a fine edge. Stroman hasn't got out of a fifth inning yet, but he's you know he looks like he's cut back in some of the antics and he's just starting to pitch. They're very very thin at the pitching, and, and as you know, Naz says, and if that holds up, they will compete. But that's a long stretch and there's a long way to go. You got Donaldson out again now. They say ten days, but that could be twenty days if he's down rehabbing already. And they've got Travis Hurd already. Uh, he's going for an MRI or something today. So the bench is pretty skinny. I like what I'm seeing so far, but you know they better get so they, they've got they've got to bring some of these players. Nice to see Hernandez, who made the team coming out of spring training, should have been on the opening day roster. This Grishek looks like he's been a bit of a uh, not so good right off. That. I don't want to call him a dud because he did hit 24 two home runs last year and 24 the year before. But so far he's been struggling at the plate, and they got to have they got to have production out of the field. So. You know, if they continue along like this and some of the other teams, maybe the Yanks aren't as good as everybody expects because maybe, I know you're not going to like that, Lou, but maybe Stanton's realizing that uh, playing New York's a lot different than playing in Miami. We're in Miami, you're not expected to win. Now, all of a sudden, in New York, he's expected at home run every time he comes up the bat. So once he gets through that, I'm sure he's going to deliver. But uh, they seem to be 
struggling up. Boston seems to be taking right off, right off the bat, and doing what they're expected to do. So, you know, it's much easier to win the games now when they, you know, in the early part of the season because they come into play later on. So it's nice to see the Jays. When was the last time we've seen them with a record like this this early in the season? Uh, Naz, uh, your biggest surprise for the Jays so far? The biggest surprise to me has been uh, the relief pitching. I didn't know that uh, they would be this good, to tell you the truth. It's hard to tell with relief pitching. It's either good or bad, but they've been really, really good, and I've been very impressed with their whole bullpen. The bullpen has really come through very well. And, Mike, uh, we were talking about Judge there. Is he another Dave Kingman, do you think? Well, that was my analysis. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't is that, is some, to, somebody trying to go with that, Lou in the last I just look at his strikeout ratio. Lou, Lou, are you going to defend yourself? What's that? I just look at his strikeout ratio. So I, I missed it up because oh, Mike was uh, was talking also. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, they were taking a couple of shots at the Yanks, Lou, uh, at Aaron Judge, but. Uh, We'll let that one go. we got a minute and a half left on the show. Naz, uh, you're going to have to bear with me, guys. You have to bear with me. i got to get something off my chest. Uh, the TFC, the Reds, uh, they're, they, they, a remarkable, remarkable game in the Estadio Azteca down in uh, Mexico. So they managed to win the, uh, the CONCACAF uh, semifinals, and they're going to the finals which is a remarkable, remarkable achievement. There's only been two non-Mexican teams ever to make it to the finals, and the TFC's taken out two of them in a row, and they get, they're getting another one starting on Tuesday night. And they asked MLS for a concession. They asked them for a concession to say, can we reschedule, because they've got four games in 12, 12 days, can we schedule the game against Houston, which falls in between the home and away leg, in the CONCACAF finals? And MLS refused to do so. And I'm saying to myself, what are they thinking? Do they not have any idea how important, how much it would do for soccer in the United States and Canada to have TFC go to the World FIFA Club Championship in December, where they get to play against Real, they get to play against Juve or Napoli, and all the great teams in the world. In games that are not exhibitions, games that actually mean this, and they want to cooperate when Toronto with TFC asked them to reschedule the game so they could be a little bit fresher to see if they could win this final. A pox on on MLS. I have no idea what they're thinking. No idea. It would be so incredibly valuable for soccer in the United States and in Canada for TFC to go to the World FIFA Club Championship. And you could not reschedule one game? Uh, you know what? I don't know who makes these decisions. All I know is, Naz, we got 20 seconds left. I always give you the last word. Go ahead. Well, it's been a difficult show, but it, w- it went really well. Wally, good job from Florida. That's uh, very nicely done today. And um, thanks, Mike and Louie, for chipping in, too, because it's, it's, it is tough to do this. But great job, guys. And yeah, pleasure. Thanks very much. Lou, thanks so much. Mike Wilson, thanks so much. Uh, special thanks to Josh, our producer today, to help uh, put it all together for us. Uh, it actually worked. It wasn't the easiest thing to do. But to all our listeners, once again, be safe out there. It's icy. It's dangerous. We'll be back again next Sunday morning, same time. Have a great week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. 
Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.